Fireball Roberts has won at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And now, out of four for the final time, Kurt Busch is going to win the brother duel. He wins at Atlanta. That's for Keymark. Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. If you are just stumbling upon us for the first time and you're looking for talk about picks for this weekend in the NASCAR Cup Series, you have come to the right place because that's what we're doing, going to New Hampshire Motor Speedway, the only time that the Cup Series will be headed up to the Northeast this year in New Hampshire. They took a race away, so we got one shot at it, and it's this week. So we will be talking about picks to win the race. Little uh, skeptical, you know, kind of zeroing in on a few guys that we're going to talk about, but I feel stronger about some of the other picks that we're going to talk about on this podcast. We'll call it finishing position. Normally we call it the top 10 section, but um, there's some changes and we'll talk about why. And then in the head-to-head section, going to try to stay hot there. It's been our best bet topic for most of the year, so we're going to try to stay hot as we go into this break. And then at the very end, call it Phil's Fired Up, uh, we're going to touch on the NASCAR Jackpot Races free app. I'm not sure if we've done this so far this year, but I do know that when we switched over to the NBC part of the schedule, we looked at their free app a couple weeks back. So we'll go back at it again and see how we do. Check out this app and if it's worth your time or not. And in addition to that, after you know we go through that, we'll talk about a little bit of a hodgepodge of topics as we get ready for the few week layoff that we're going to have. So just some housekeeping items as we end the episode. So before we do any of that, though, we have to take a look back at Atlanta. It was quite the weekend, and I'm not sure how to feel, all right, because we have been all over Kurt Busch. Last episode, I've talked all about Kurt Busch, but it's always been for top tens. Top tens is what we always talk about, and we've been loving them. We've been cashing in left and right lately, and he's been our cash cow, honestly. And even when we talked with R.J. Starcevic from NASCAR Report, we talked about Kurt for a little while in that conversation. And sure enough, Kurt doesn't just get us the top 10. He goes out and he wins the damn race. Plus 3,300 is what he was going off as the race winner. And I'm conflicted because I'm so happy that a guy that we've been riding all year goes out and actually does something big like that, cashes his ticket to the playoffs. But at the same time, I'm pissed at myself for not actually having enough faith in the guy to win the race. I think we did the smart thing, still cashed in that top 10 ticket, but good for Kurt. Good to see that team back up at it. And, you know, looking at that race, I mean, the ending of that race, it was the the Bush brothers battling in that race. And, when people say, do teammates really matter in NASCAR? Like people, my friends that don't really follow the sport, they say, what, what do you mean teammates? What does that even mean? How can you be a teammate? Well, Ross Chastain helped Kurt Busch get that win, and Kurt called it out right away on the radio. Um, pretty cool to see that play out the way it did. And obviously Kyle had a problem with it, but 
Kyle has a problem with a lot of things. So it was pretty cool at the end of the day to see that happen. So uh, a real team win there for Chip Ganassi, who has been through a lot over the past month to get that win and having both cars involved in it. Pretty cool. So we hit on Kurt Busch, obviously top 10, but we did not have him as the winner. Head to heads, we were just so close. It was like horseshoes and hand grenades last week for all the parlays that we put in. Just missing two and ones left and right. Um, in our podcast picks that we called out, we were two and one. It was Tyler Reddick that actually surprised me. So I was going to call him out as kind of some takeaways here, but since we're talking about the picks from last week, we had Austin Dillon over Reddick, and Tyler Reddick was a huge surprise to me in a good way. I mean, yeah, we missed that bet, but it was pretty decent to see him do so well like it wasn't just a fluke where he was you know kind of in a certain pit cycle or whatever he was really a top 10 car and deserved to be up there so Austin Dillon couldn't really crack into that top 10 uh, for most of that race so yeah Tyler Reddick's gonna get that job done Uh, Joey Logano we had him in the, the top five that did not hit Logano just missed it yet again there uh, but a lot of them just missed. Uh, we had Harvick, you know, we had him finishing in the, the top 10. That just missed 11th place there. So like I said, just missing uh, some of these bets now. And as we'll talk about in a second, we always talk about the, the parlays on the Instagram account the day of the race. That might be coming to an end, at least for a short while. So we'll talk about why in just a little bit. But Atlanta... Overall, you know, I think we came out just above water there when you add up all the the picks, if you were to bet all the picks equally. Um, But good for Kurt, knocking out that win. I was a little nervous when he wins. Same thing with Michael McDowell when he won the 500 because my first thought was, oh, this is great. We cashed in, but next time we go back to Daytona, everybody's going to be all over them. The secret's out. And I kind of thought the same thing was going to happen with Kurt, but spoiler alert, Yet again, we're back talking about him in the top 10 section yet again this week. So um, stay tuned for that as we get into New Hampshire. So let's do that. You know, we're going to put Atlanta in the rear view right after the race ended. They started knocking that place apart, beating up the, the concrete, ripping it all up. So when we go back there next year, new cars and new tracks. So so long to Atlanta in more ways than one, really. So New Hampshire... This is a a big race on the schedule for a few different reasons. This is the last race until August 8th. So NBC has the Olympic Games, and they are giving NASCAR a multiple-week break. I mean, this is really unheard of. I don't remember this happening um, a few years back when they had the Olympics, but maybe I just have a bad memory. Long period off for the drivers. So if you're a driver that has momentum... You're going to want to keep that going here before, you know, you kind of get frozen, um, kind of icing the kicker here with these guys. And if you're a a guy who is not hot at the moment, you're just trying to make it to the end of this little stretch and and come back. There are five races left, including New Hampshire, before the playoffs. So that's why this is so important. And when we get back from this break, we've got back-to-back road courses and then obviously Daytona ending it. So... This is a very important race, I would say, for some people here. This is time to gear up. Even though you have this break, 
hey, there are points to be won here. And a lot of these guys are in must-win situations. And for the guys who are locked in, playoff points. I mean, how many times do we talk about it in September and October, how playoff points mean everything, any little point matters. So this is not a, a race to kind of dismiss whether you're a driver or a gambler because there's money to be won for us because I think some of these bets are staring us in the face as must take. So let's take a look at the track stats to get us going here because they are a little bit interesting. This is a very flat racetrack. So some people you know, might say that that makes it a little bit boring, but looking at it, we've been here 49 times in the past and for a while they were coming here two times a year, but that stopped in after the 2018 season. So 2018, 2019, 2020, they only came here once. For that, multiple times a year. The winner, starting on the pole, it's only happened six times. The last time it happened, Kyle Busch in 2017. Now, here's where it gets a little interesting. The winner starting within the top five. It's happened 29% of the time, and starting within the top 10, 53% of the time. So if you're newer to the podcast, you might say to yourself, well, why does that matter? Well, that number starting in the top five, that is very low. So that's really saying that it doesn't matter if you have a pretty good starting spot here at New Hampshire. You could start further back in the pack and still come out victorious. We usually see that top five number right around 50%, and top 10 is usually around 75%. So very low numbers there on the track stats. And here's one. Starting outside the top 20, it's happened 19% of the time. So that's pretty impressive as well. Now, the thing there is the last time it happened was in 2012 with Denny Hamlin. He started 32nd. So it's been a while since that happened. But what we're seeing here is that these guys are in like that mid-teens range. So if you're looking at a driver this weekend and they're starting between 10th and 20th, don't be scared by that because at this racetrack, it can happen. Now, as far as manufacturer trends, Ford has won three straight and before that, it was Toyota winning two in a row and then Chevy with one. So JGR, you know, even with Ford winning three straight, when you're looking at the stats here across the board, JGR definitely has, you know, some dominance when we're looking at that. So we'll talk about them a little bit more in the prop bet section uh, when we get there. But keep your, your ears peeled for that one. Now, it's a strange track to predict the winner just because of, you know, looking at the stats, how guys have been here in the past, and then see who's coming in hot and who's not. And there's a way that you can tell that this is a tough track to predict the winner. Why? Because DraftKings and FanDuel, these are really the two biggest names in sports books that are general to everyone. These guys have the odds to win the race all jumbled up. They are usually pretty lock and step with each other. This week, they have these guys all different odds. And that tells you that if they're completely off, you know, who knows what? That's the question. You know, does DraftKings know something? Does FanDuel know something that we don't? I mean, it's really tough. So we're going to make some suggestions here for the picks to win the race. And after that, we're going to get into the picks that I really like, which is the non-winner bets. I really like the finishing position bets and the head-to-heads this week for various reasons. But let's get into picks to win the race because that's why a lot of people are here. I'm sure they just want to get right to it. So I mentioned JGR. We're going to start with a couple of them. Martin 
Truex Jr. is my leadoff hitter this week, plus 650 on FanDuel. He's a little bit lower on DraftKings, but he has never won on this racetrack, and that's significant uh, for a specific reason here. But in his last 10 races, no wins, four top fives, seven top tens. Pretty impressive there. He's finished 10 out of 10 on the lead lap in those last 10 races. His average finish is first on the circuit, 7.6 in the last 10 races. And when you look at his last five races, he has zero finishes outside the top six. So very impressive here for old MTJ. He finished third last year in the 2020 race. His driver rating is also first on the board, 113.8. So when you're looking at average finish and driver rating, those are the two biggest stats that I cling to. He's first, which is impressive, and he is not the favorite. You got Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, depending on the book. Those are the guys that are up there as the favorite. Truex is like third or fourth. Now, there's another stat that I'm going to call out a bunch this week, and it's fastest laps percentage. So this is the amount of laps that they've run in the last nine races, I believe my um, my calculator has them at. And that total number of laps run it's going to look at how many times was their car the fastest on the racetrack. So you ran the fastest lap, and it'll spit out the percentage of that. Well, with Martin Truex Jr., his fastest laps percentage is third. 10.8% of the time, he has had the fastest lap. That is a very good step. But here's what stood out to me, okay? Because my database gives me the range, right? The most that these drivers have had fastest laps in a race. So if he's had like, you know, 150 fastest laps, that's a ridiculous number, but you get the picture. And then it also tells us the minimum in that same race. And, you know, a lot of times it's like three, four for some of these big guys. Well, here's the thing. Martin Truex Jr.'s lowest fastest laps in a race, 14. That's by far the most. So what that tells me is even a race where, you know, he's kind of off, he's still hitting the fastest lap 14 times. That's pretty impressive compared to these other guys. Um, I, I hope I'm communicating that in a way that makes sense. But what I'm trying to tell you is even when they're not that great, they're still pretty good. Now, there's no question that Truex has been in a rut in the 2020 season right now. Really been struggling. But JGR is really legit here. And when I brought up, he never won a race at this racetrack. He actually had some comments this past week talking about the next gen car and people asking him, you know, would you retire if you're not very good? Uh, if you're not really figuring it out too quickly, if you're struggling to do so, you know, would you ever consider retiring a little earlier than expected? And he said, yes, he said, I wouldn't have a problem just giving up. He said, I'm, I'm comfortable financially. I'm good. So I'm only doing this because I love it. And if this next-gen car comes around and makes me not love it, I'm out. So you take that in consideration and say, well, wouldn't a guy like this want to have a victory at as many tracks as he possibly can? I don't know the stats on how many he has left. But Truex is a competitive guy, obviously. Most of these guys are ultra-competitive. You'd have to think that this is on his mind. Like, I want to hold that lobster up at the end of the day. This is great value here. And... You know, we talked about how he hasn't finished outside of the top six here in a while. He's minus 180 to finish in the top five. 
and plus 140 to finish in the top three. So if you don't think that he'll eventually get that monkey off his back, maybe take that plus 140 top three bet and cash in there if he does have a race like we've seen lately out of him. Just like last year, third place, you'd cash in. So MTJ plus 650 on FanDuel, plus 500 on DraftKings. Lock it in any which way you feel comfortable. So now we're going to go back to the JGR squad, giving them some more love here. Kyle Bush at plus 700 on FanDuel. So the thing about him is he has quietly become the best guy in 2021 right now. He has taken over for Kyle Larson. I don't know if you've noticed it, but he really has. We'll get into his 2021 stats in just a second, but the question I have is, how are these odds this long? Like, what's going on here? Well, a week ago, or sorry, a year ago, rather, he finished dead last. 15 laps in, he had an accident and was out of the race and putting him 38th. So maybe that's ringing some people's ears. But when you look at his stats, he does not deserve the value that he's getting. I mean, we are getting lucky here to get him at plus 700. His last 10 races, two wins, four top fives, seven top tens. His wins came from the pole and fourth. And where is Kyle Busch starting this year on the pole? His average finish is 11.8. That's eighth in the circuit, but he's better than that. And you know what tells us that story? The driver rating, where he's second out of everyone, 111.8. That's the real story, right? Those average finish numbers, when you go through those, sometimes you have to take driver rating consideration to try to give you the, the full picture here. And when you're talking about fastest laps at New Hampshire, it's Kyle Busch by a landslide. 15.3% of his laps at New Hampshire in the last 10 races. He has been the fastest. The car is just typically great here. He has over 600. I was about to say 100. No, over 600 laps led at New Hampshire. That is first place in that stat. So I think you get the picture. Kyle Busch and New Hampshire Motor Speedway get along like peanut butter and jelly. In 2021, I mentioned how he's taken over for Larson here quietly. Four straight top three finishes. And five of the last 10 races, he's finished in the top three. He's plus 180 to finish in the top three this weekend. I love that bet almost as much as I love Kyle Busch plus 700 to win the race because it's such great high value for a guy who's A, super hot right now, and B, hot at this racetrack. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, everything's coming together. All the things that we look for on a weekly basis are clicking right now for this 18 car. So lock it in if you want that value. Now, the last guy that I'm going to mention, a bit of more of a longer shot, but this is a guy who has the biggest discrepancy that I see between DraftKings and FanDuel. It's Brad Kozlowski. So on DraftKings, he's plus 650. On FanDuel, he's plus 1,400. What's going on here? I mean, like I said before, who knows something? right? Is it FanDuel or is it DraftKings? Somebody knows something, and I'm not sure which way it is. But Kozlowski, looking at his last 10 races, he has a win here. Four top fives, seven top tens. He won last year. Do you remember that? I mean, you know, 2020 was a bit of a blur, 
but he won this race. Five of his last six races here were top 10 finishes. I mean, he's in the picture on this racetrack. His average finish is fifth compared to everyone. It's 9.6, and his driver rating is fourth, 107.3. His last two races, his driver rating actually improves to 132.7. That is a monster number. No matter what racetrack you're at, no matter what driver you're talking about, 132 in his last two races here. That's first, obviously, compared to everyone else. So he's going from a very great driver rating to just an all-around awesome one in the more recent races. That win definitely helps that rating. So the question is, is this a slump buster of a racetrack for Brad Kozlowski? He's driving an absolutely sick paint scheme this weekend. I don't know if that does anything for the driver's psyche or not, but from the gambler's perspective, I love betting on guys that have cool-looking cars. Um, that's just my, my gut and not my head talking. 2021 has not been great for Kozlowski. He finished third at Pocono, but before that, he hasn't even sniffed a win since Kansas, which was an also third-place finish right after he won at Talladega. This has not been a typical race year for Kozlowski. Three top tens in his last 10 races. So that could be why you're getting the big value here for the two-car, plus 1400 on FanDuel. But that number for a guy with some really good history at this racetrack is too good to pass up. Like, I got to jump on that. So I will be doing that this weekend. Kozlowski trying to break out of it a little bit and um, snap out of this slump before the Olympic break. So Kozlowski plus 1,400, Kyle Busch plus 700, and MTJ, Martin Truex Jr., plus 650. Those are my picks to win this week at New Hampshire. Next up, we're going to take a look at some props and finishing position bets. That's right. I'm changing the name of it this week, and we'll see if it lasts. But one minor prop bet to bring up here, because I mentioned a couple of JGR guys already once. So if you are someone who is a fan of Joe Gibbs Racing or, you know, you just have that gut feeling as a gambler, like, yeah, these guys are good. They're going to snap this forge streak that we have going on here and bring Toyota back. The bet that you need to look at is not JGR to be the winning team, okay? Because right now you're getting minus 110 value right there to take Joe Gibbs Racing's team to win. What you need to do is look at that bet and then throw it in the trash. And then go and look at the manufacturer pick because you are getting way better value for Toyota to win the race compared to JGR. Toyota is getting plus 150 to win the race compared to JGR. This doesn't make sense to me because you're getting a couple more drivers or at least Bubba Wallace, and for the manufacturer, but there's only three options, right? Total. With JGR, I mean, we saw last week Chip Ganassi Racing came out of nowhere and bust through that door to mess up that prop bet. So, hey, I'm going with Toyota plus 150. I'm getting an extra car or two, and I'm getting way better value. So you want all those JGR guys? Great. Take the, the Toyota bet. It's, it's much, much better. Makes way more sense to go with that. Avoid the JGR team bet like the plague. It'll 
mean so much if one of those guys actually cashes in. So let's move on to some finishing position bets. Now, in the past, actually forever, we've been doing this for a few years now, I've always liked to take the top 10 picks because I like betting on things that are not just to win the race. You're looking at a different part of the running order, you know, and you're getting decent value on some guys that might not have any shot to win the race. Well, DraftKings, I've got a love-hate relationship with DraftKings. Obviously, we talked about FanDuel having like way better odds on some of these guys this week to win the race. But the thing is with FanDuel, they don't give you much else. It's really just odds to win the race up until maybe race day. And sometimes they throw some group bets or head-to-heads at you, but that's about it. DraftKings goes all in. They have a lot of different bets and they've got it early in the week. Like that's how I'm able to put the the odds out there on the podcast on Wednesdays uh, because DraftKings puts them all out there earlier than any of these other books. DraftKings has just redone a lot on their front end app and also in bets that they offer. So a few of you guys, I give all the credit in the world. People hit me up on Instagram at Full Tank Phil. I appreciate it. Let me know that they have the ability last week to bet top 20. I think they've heard me, you know, you guys heard me bitching about how I don't have that option. So I appreciate seeing, you know, people from different states having that option. And I started complaining to DraftKings saying, hey, why don't we see this in Pennsylvania? It doesn't make sense. Well, Logging in to DraftKings, I had to accept a new terms of service. And when I did that, there was a whole new setup to what the user interface looked like for DraftKings NASCAR bets. And so in the past, it was, you know, the finishing position had the winner, the top three, and the top 10 all together. But now, when you click on finishing position, you see winner and the odds for every driver, top three odds for every driver, and top five odds for every driver. And then there's a section for top 10 all by itself. And then there it is, top 20. So in this section, we're going to try to call out some good odds depending on the finishing position that we're seeing. You know, if we see something in top five, for example, that makes sense, we'll call it out. We're going to call at least one out in all three of those tonight. And you know, we'll see how the, the season goes, but we want to try to take advantage of good values when we're talking about that. Now, there's a downside to this new user agreement that we went with um, on DraftKings, and we'll talk about why that's a bad thing coming up. Now, let's start with picks to finish in the top five. I've got one of them. We're going to go back to the same well we went with last weekend and it's Joey Logano. Can this guy redeem himself for us? We need a top five finish here for that 22 car. And his odds right now to finish in the top five are pretty good. I mean, we like to look right at that point where it's minus money and plus money. So he's plus 140 at the moment to finish in the top five. Looking at New Hampshire for Joey Logano, last 10 races, he has one win, five top fives and eight top tens. He finished fourth last year. So five top fives. That's what we're talking about. 50% of the time, this guy has a shot at it. I mean, or, or has done it. So you're telling me he's got a good shot at it. That's pretty good. Now, from the years 2014 to 2016, he ripped off four straight top five finishes. And the last time he finished fourth, 
he backed it up with a third place finish in the very next race. So, like I said, last year finished fourth. We'll see if that's a real thing. Um, might just be a bit of a coincidence, but we're going to look to anything we can possibly take here for Joey Logano, give him some positive vibes. His average finish at New Hampshire is fourth out of everyone, 9.1. Driver rating is sixth. This is his hometown racetrack. He's from up in New England, so good stuff all around here. And even better, we like to look at how guys are improving, how they are recently, his driver rating which, like I said, is sixth, which is good enough for 91.9. It jumps up 100, sorry, 10 points to 100.5 over the last two races. So when you just focus in on the recent races, Logano jumps up in that stat. That's the kind of stuff that we're looking for. We're going to find more guys like that throughout the rest of the podcast. Logano is just, you know, the start of it. So, hey, plus 140 to finish in the top five. I really like that bet. Uh, gives you something to cheer for for a guy who has been historically in that ballpark. I mean, eight top tens. That's telling you that, you know, that bet is active throughout the race. So that's what we're looking for. So now let's move to top tens because I got a couple good ones here for you. How could we get off the number one train? Kurt Bush. I was shocked to see that his value was still plus money. I thought for sure that he blew up our spot last week with that victory, and the sports birds were going to be like, oh, my goodness, look at this guy. He deserves much more respect than he's getting. But no, no, not at all. Kurt Busch plus 110. Not sure how that's still possible. The disrespect is real. But if you actually dig into it a little bit more, it might make a little bit more sense. 2020, he had an 18th place finish, and the year before that, it was a 17th place finish. So, those are not great numbers, but in his last 10 races, he has one top five, four top tens, so 40% of the time he's good there. And looking at his track history, I mean, he's due. Right? His average finish is 18.0. That's not great, but like we said about, I believe it was his brother, the driver rating tells the full story here. His driver rating is seventh, 91.8. Looking at the fastest laps, he's 10th compared to everyone else. 3.2% of his laps are the fastest here. So I think this is a combination of the fact that he's due. It's a very doable bet for him. Four top tens in the last 10. And he's got so much momentum now. All these good races run in a row. Now you have this win. CGR just absolutely has to be feeling themselves. They found speed. Somehow, some way, they found it. After, you know, the all-star break, I guess, um, they really got something together, and they've been on fire the last month of the season. So um, lock me in, Kurt Busch. We're not jumping off this train until he crashes and burns. We're going to be with him. So plus 110. Sports books are allowing us to still gain value here for Kurt, so we are going to take it. Let's snatch it up and throw it in our pocket and keep us happy through the Olympic break. Now, there's one other guy that I wasn't going to throw into my top 10 picks because I assumed that I was going to be getting him in some sort of head-to-head matchup. But there's a long list of head-to-head matchups available this week, and his name is not on any of them. We're talking about Matt DiBenedetto. Matty D not going up against anybody head-to-head, which is shocking to me. He's not even available in a group bet. I feel like the sports books are just forgetting about him. If we didn't see his name on the finishing position stuff, 
I, I would truly believe that. But Matty D's going off at plus 115 to finish in the top 10. And that is really good value here because I think a lot of people are going to be overlooking him because when they look at the stats by themselves, his stats are dismal here. But if you remember, he was driving some pretty difficult race cars to try to keep on the lead lap. So he is definitely the most improved driver at this racetrack. If you look in the last two races, he has a sixth place finish and a fifth place finish. That is very good. That's driving the 95 a couple years ago and now the 21 last year. So you've got a guy driving around just trying to keep the car on the lead lap, driving the 83 and whatever other shitbox he was driving before that. But then you throw him in some good equipment and you see what he can actually do. And, you know, a top five and a top 10, that's pretty damn good stuff. So his driver rating also shows it's not just the average finish, but his driver rating is absolutely through the roof over the last two races as well. So you see that he has the ability to go out and get it done. So plus 115, he's back in that 21 car. He's also been on record this week saying that currently his future next year is completely you know, unsure. He is not sure what's going on. And I kind of feel bad for him because it feels like this part of the season, every single time we go to New Hampshire, he's answering questions about this type of stuff. Because uh, he keeps signing these one-year deals. So the fact that he's still trying to prove himself, he's going to a racetrack where he's been decent at the last two years, I like it. Everything about Matty D, if you do see a head-to-head matchup that he pops up at, take it because you're going to be able to sneak something on somebody, pull the wool over their eyes, and cash in. So now I have the ability to talk about some top 20 action. Now, even if it didn't pop up on Pennsylvania's sports books this week, I had... A few people messaged me and sent me screenshots of what they were looking at for top 10 picks. So I was still going to try to call someone out as a driver to look for to finish in the top 20. And sure enough, we found someone who is decent and has value here. Top 20. I am super looking forward to this this weekend. Ryan Newman, plus 140 to finish in the top 20. 21st was where he finished last year. But the year before that, he finished 6th and 7th. So that's pretty damn good. He's starting 28th. That's going to make things a little tough. But when you look at Ryan Newman, his average starting position is 18th, and his average finishing position is 14th. So he's someone that when you go to New Hampshire Motor Speedway, he's able to improve on where he starts. So we're going to need him to improve, kind of double that. But his average finishing position is 12th compared to everyone else, and his drive rating is 16th, 72.0. So all of those stats are well within the top 20 compared to everyone on the Cup Series circuit. Now, 2021, actually, let's backtrack even further. 2020 was just brutal for Ryan Newman in a number of different ways, but from a gambling perspective, it was you know very, very bad. 2021 has been going a little bit better. 11 of the 21 races so far this year, he has finished in the top 20. That is a little bit shocking to me. I would have thought that that's a top 10 numbers, but that's actually top 20 for Newman. So a little bit surprising there. He hasn't had a top 20 finish since Nashville. So he's due here as well. So it's a racetrack that he's done pretty decent at. I mean, those average numbers, drive rating and average finish, okay numbers. So big time value pick here plus 140 to finish in the top 20. I'm really digging this one. Uh, I, I really think that this is going to hit because his numbers are right in that like 
mid-teens area. That's what we're looking for here. So lock it in for Ryan Newman, plus 140 to finish in the top 20. What if somebody wants theirs well done? We ask them politely yet firmly to leave. Next up, we are in the head-to-head section of the podcast. This is where we take two drivers that are matched up against each other, and whoever finishes ahead of the other wins that matchup for the gambler. And this week, it's a little bit of bad news here because as DraftKings giveth, well, they taketh away, as they say. Um, They gave us the top 20 pick in most states that DraftKings is available, but they seem to have taken away the ability to parlay head-to-head picks, which is absolutely devastating for me. I absolutely love getting up. On race day, I get in that kitchen and I start cooking and put together some parlays. And I've really cashed in quite a few this year, surprisingly, um, after looking at last year's stats. But I'm just gutted right now. So I kind of feel like such a jerk off because I have been hounding them over certain things, top 20, one of them. Once I started seeing some people posting top 20 stuff, I was all over them in the comment section or the contact us section. Hey, why don't we get it in PA? Um, I reached out right away today. You know, what do I care? I I went right back at it and uh, asked them, hey, why aren't we seeing the parlay? They said something a little cryptic to make it seem like they might bring it back. They say they're always trying to improve, you know, with the new look and feel. They're trying to get a a sense of what's working for them, and they want our customers to be happy. So we're taking it into consideration, et cetera, et cetera. It was a very wishy-washy response, but made me think that it's not dead in the water because they didn't say that. But to smooth things over, they sent me a $10 free bet. So what I'm telling you is do the same thing contact them and say, hey, how come I can't parlay this anymore? A, you're going to get more momentum going to try to get those back. And B, you'll get a free bet out of it, you know? So give it a look. Uh, Contact us in the DraftKings help section. At bare minimum, I mean, $10 free bet can go what? Go nuts. Throw it on somebody, uh, you know, more of a long shot this weekend and maybe you cash a big ticket. So a little bit of a downer here, but We're just going to go right back to it. It's not going to stop us from picking winners in this section. So let's get right to it. After that long talk, Kevin Harvick, minus 115, versus William Byron, minus 115. The thing that got my attention here was the even odds. This is the old school veteran taking on the old young guy, little guy, Willie B. So this is uh, just a tale of, of two different cities here. Kevin Harvick in his last 10 races at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, has three wins, eight top fives, and eight top tens. That is just unbelievable. The the eight top fives is just telling you that if he's on the lead lap, he's finishing in the top five. Like, that's actually the stats that are real within the last 10 races. He won back-to-back races 2018-2019, so... This is a guy who knows how to get it done. His average finish is 8.0. That's third compared to everyone. Drive rating also third, 111.6. And within the last two races, it jumps up. It goes up from 111.6 to 117. Like, who could think that it could improve on that? But 
It actually does, and his fastest laps percentage at this racetrack is second, 11.1%. So this is all great stuff. He's clearly a legend here. We'll get into why this is an even matchup here when we talk about William Byron, because if you look at him, he's been here three times, three starts. That's a brutal sample size, zero top 10 finishes. His average finish is 12.3 in those three starts. The thing about Willie B is he's improved each time he's come here. 14th was his first time here, 12th, and then 11th last year. His driver rating is 12th, so it's pretty consistent here, right? Like, driver rating compared to everyone else is 12th. Well, his average finish is 12.3. It's just kind of funny the way that works out in this particular scenario. So he just hasn't put it together yet. Maybe Chevy has just been off here at New Hampshire. Could be a victim of that. The reason, though, that this is an even bet is because of 2021. Byron has had the overall better season than Kevin Harvick. I mean, he's been faster. And the points lead, if you're just looking at points alone, I mean, he has Kevin Harvick right now in the point standings by over 100 points. In the last 10 races, Byron has the 6-4 to four lead head-to-head -head on the 2021 schedule. But looking at the last three, Harvick is actually 3-0. So I think that Harvick is kind of getting the short end of the stick here. I mean, he's going to be in the playoffs. Everyone's kind of down on him. He doesn't have a race win this year. People are coming at him left and right. Stuart Haas is down. What's wrong with Harvick? I mean, he's just hanging in there, and he's doing things that if his name was like Austin Dillon, people would be talking about, yeah, he's, he's having a good year. But he's Kevin Harvick, so that's why he's like that. 3-0 in the last three races versus Byron. I'm going with Kevin Harvick, his track history here. We talked about slump busters. I mean, this is a, another track that could be a slump buster here. We don't need him to win the race. That's why I didn't call him out in the race winner section. I just need him to beat William Byron head-to-head, -head, and we're getting even odds, so lock me in. Can't do it any quicker than that. Next up, we've got one that I really, really like. Eric Almirola taking on Daniel Suarez. Almirola is going off at minus 121. Suarez plus 100. In the points standings, you're looking at these guys, five races left. They need wins. I mean, Suarez is 22nd in the standings. Almirola, he is just completely up Shit's Creek here. 27th in standings. 505 points back. That's disgusting. Like, if these two guys were to start the season and say, yeah, you know, you'd be 22nd and 27th, that would be absolutely shocking for Amarola, and they would hate that. For Suarez, I think they'd be pretty happy at Trackhouse. You told them that ahead of, this, ahead of the season. So let's start with Suarez. A lot of talk about Trackhouse this year, you know, how he has been performing pretty well. They picked up the Chip Ganassi Racing assets, and they're going to be taking on another car next year. So I think, though, Maybe that is playing against them in the last few starts, but we'll we'll talk about that in a bit. He's been here five times, though, Suarez, before he joined Trackhouse. Two top ten finishes. Both of them came while he was driving the 19 car for Joe Gibbs Racing. His average finish in those five starts, 16.2. His driver rating is disgusting, 68.8. The problem is... It's trending the wrong way. It goes down to 57.9 in the last two races. That's not the guy we want. And the reason I called out this matchup was not for Suarez, plus 100, but it was for Eric Amarola. 
his driver rating starts off right above Suarez originally, 74.9. He's one spot up if you're ranking all of them based on driver rating in the last 10 races, but his absolutely skyrockets. When you're looking at the last five races, it jumps up to 84.4, and the last two races specifically, most recently, 101.7. 74.9 to 101.7. That gets my attention when I'm looking at this data. So he's good here lately, and he's trending the right way compared to the wrong way for Suarez here. So Amarola He's got what we want right now. Average finish, 17.1. One top five, three top tens in his last 10 races. He is 3-0 versus Suarez at this racetrack since he hopped in that 10 car. So that's what you really need to know. And people know Suarez having a, a year this year that's pretty good. And Amarola not really doing too bad. But if you look at the last two starts, Suarez has been absolute trash. Amarola has him. 2-0 in the last two races, and 3-2 in the last five races. So, hey, what's going on? I think maybe Suarez is downtrending a little bit at this racetrack, but also this year. Maybe some distractions with this Chip Ganassi stuff. So lock me in for Eric Amarola, minus 121. Last matchup we're going to talk about here, Christopher Bell, plus 100, taking on Ryan Blaney. And you could say that you've got a good feeling about both these guys. I think these guys are both going to be in the top 10 battling it out. So this isn't one like Suarez or Amarola where they could be in the back of the pack. These guys are going to be up front within that 6 to 13 range. That's my prediction. And so that's going to make this a fun matchup to follow along with. Now, Christopher Bell. One cup start at this racetrack. It was driving the 95 car. That is not the type of sample size we are looking for. He finished 28th last year. He ran better than that 28th place would probably show. His driver rating is 78.7. Finished one lap down. And there's no doubt that he's going to get a bump driving in that 20 car because the 20 car of Joe Gibbs Racing, eight of the last 10 races, the 20 car has finished in the top 10. That's dating all the way back to Matt Kenseth driving the 20. So there's a lot to like there, a lot of upside, even though that 28th place finish is a bit of a downer, a lot of upside to Christopher Bell jumping in this new car. Now, Ryan Blaney has eight starts here, one top five, three top tens. His average finish, 13.1, is 10th compared to everyone. His driver rating is ninth, 86.8. So that's pretty good. And it improves slightly when you look at the more recent races. Now, he had a bad race here last year, but still beat Christopher Bell in that 95 car, if you remember, 28th place finish. So you have that going for him. And before that race last year where he finished 20th, he finished ninth in the 21 car and then seven and fourth in the more recent races. So he's been getting better and better and better. Top five last week at Atlanta in the 2021 season, that's showing life because for a little while there, these Penske cars, they've been kind of dead in the water and Ryan Blaney specifically hasn't really shown much. For him to jump up, take that top five last week, it's showing, hey, I'm not going peacefully into the night, you know, taking my vacation or whatever you want to do. This is a decent track for Team Penske. So I think you take that little bit of momentum, little bit of success that Ryan Blaney can cling to, how he's been getting better recently with his finishes, throwing last year's 20th place finish out the window. Um, I, I like what I'm seeing here out of the 20 car. 
and 2021 green flag speed. Ryan Pelini actually has Christopher Bell beat 11.6 to 12.8. That was a little bit surprising for me because you kind of see or hear Blaney and the Penske guys kind of dwindling. That green flag speed's a big stat. 2021. So Blaney minus 120. That's my pick this week in this head-to-head matchup versus Christopher Bell. So to recap all three of them, I know we can't put them in a parlay, but individually throwing money down. It's Blaney over Bell. Almarola minus 121 over Suarez and Kevin Harvick minus 115 over William Byron. So this week in the Phil's Fired Up section, we are going to take a look at the NASCAR jackpot races. It's the free app where you can just basically plug in whatever random picks you want to make and see on race day if you get lucky. It's kind of like playing the lottery. But before we get to that, we're going to go through that um, on the fly here. I didn't fill out the picks ahead of time. But before we do that, just some basic housekeeping stuff. So obviously the Cup Series is going to be off for two weeks for the Olympic break. So be not putting out episodes unless I can think of a decent topic that's worth doing that. Thinking about maybe some championship odds picks, um, maybe just a quick hitter episode, but we'll see. I know I'm actually be taking real vacation myself, um, so this is actually kind of working out pretty well. But in case you were wondering where the the podcast was, um, well, because there's no race to actually talk about, it's a little less intriguing to put one out. So we'll think about it. You know, if you have any ideas or anything you want to hear about, just let me know on Instagram at Full Tank Phil, and we'll see what we can put together during the off weeks. Try to make something interesting. If anything, I don't know, maybe we'll just uh, lick our wounds or cash our money, depending on how we do here at New Hampshire. Now, speaking of Instagram, I know I mentioned this a couple weeks back, but uh, we did the the full tank face-off with uh, our buddy Nick a little while back, and I put it out there then, but I just want to throw it out there now. Um, If you're someone out there who likes to listen to this podcast, you get a kick out of it, and you would want to jump on to do the the head-to-heads against me one-on-one, just let me know on Instagram. I know we have a couple guys out there who have reached out. We're locking in races uh, for them to do that, but wanted just to throw a reminder out there that if that's something that interests you, just let me know, and we'll try to put something on the books for the remaining races of the year. So... That all being said, we can get back to some picks here. And I just want to mention Xfinity coming up on Saturday. You know, I'm feeling kind of anxious because of this long break coming up. I'm like, God, I got to get all my picks in any type of gambling I can on NASCAR. Um, So anybody that knows me knows I'm not really a huge Xfinity guy. Usually prefer the trucks. Dirt race, by the way, didn't get a chance to talk about that, but I thought that race was absolutely awesome to watch on a Friday night. Uh, watched that. Didn't get a chance to put anything out there on Instagram because the head-to-head odds didn't come out until you know literally 20 minutes before the main event started, um, but the truck race was great. But looking at Xfinity this weekend, I'm looking at the odds. I see Christopher Bell's in that race. You know, it's going to be tough to take somebody other than him, but I'm going to do my due diligence and try to find one head-to-head matchup. There's one right now that I'm looking at. It's Justin Haley versus Brandon Jones. I'm Because we can't parlay anything anymore, I'm going to try to focus on one. 
do my research here because these odds just came out um, a little bit ago, like you know, a couple hours ago. Try to put something out there. I'll, I'll throw it in the Insta story, and we'll see if we can cash in some big money heading into Sunday's race. So that would be awesome to be able to pick the right winner in one of these matchups head-to-head and go into Sunday with some good money in our pocket to play with. So Xfinity, keep your eyes peeled if you're a big fan of that series. And, um, yeah, let me know what you think. So now let's get to this free app. So we did the NBC one a little while back. I think that app is pretty impossible to choose, honestly. Um, So this is called Jackpot Racing. And the funny thing here is NASCAR actually does promote this a little bit on their Instagram and and Twitter. They've got a couple analysts that break this stuff down. I think Amy Long is her name. She's actually Casey Kane's girlfriend. Uh, She's one of the ones that goes through and she does the fantasy NASCAR on the NASCAR.com stuff. And I think they do break this jackpot races app down from time to time as well so what we're looking at here when you click in it's kind of similar to what you would see in the nbc sports one they say this is actually presented by barstool sportsbook um and you do see some of the the barstool guys on here so twenty-five thousand dollars. you hit play now and i'm seeing eight tabs across the top so we're gonna have to answer eight questions it looks like and it looks as if This is going to be just a a list of groups, and we're going to be choosing the winner of every group. So that, we know that is tough to do on a weekly basis if you're just choosing one group. I mean, we see these bets out there in the sports books. Um, You have to choose between X amount of guys. So I'm going to be basically reading a bunch of names here. Not sure if this is great to listen to, but we'll see. So group one. Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, William Byron, Chase Elliott. I'm going to go with Kyle Busch. This is for the best finish overall. Kyle Busch, I ranted and raved about him. We're going to go with him. Group two, Joey Logano, Martin Truex Jr., Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, Alex Bowman. This is a monster group. This is like the group of death in soccer. Um, I am going to go with Martin Truex Jr. in this one. Group three, Christopher Bell, Ross Chastain, Kurt Busch, Austin Dillon, and Tyler Reddick. Wow, that is also tough, but I'm going to go with Christopher Bell in that one. I'm going to bail on our boy Kurt Busch there um, and go with Christopher Bell. Group four, this is like just nonstop hitting you left and right. Matty D, Almarola, Chris Busher, Daniel Suarez, Ricky Stenhouse. I'm going with Matty D. Uh, we talked about why he has been improving lately, so... Now we're really getting into the trash here. Bubba Wallace, Anthony Alfredo, Cole Custer, Chase Briscoe, and Ryan Newman. So uh, Cole Custer actually had a really good finish here in his one career start last year. So I'll click on him to win that group and see if he can go out there and do it again. Just kind of a small sample size to base that on. But when you're just beating those guys, none of those guys really stand out to you at this racetrack. So he had the, the best finish compared to all of them last year. See if he can do it again. Now, the last group I think this is, group six, this is Michael McDowell, Corey LaJoy, Eric Jones, Justin Haley, and Ryan Priest. I'm going with Eric Jones because he's had past success here in top 10 finishes in New Hampshire, obviously driving much better equipment, but I still think it's worth throwing that in compared to the rest of those guys. So now, 
We're done picking between those groups. Now we have to choose the race winner. I'm going to go with Kyle Busch. And then, of course, we have to choose the second place driver here. Um, so they give you the list of the guys you chose compared to these other guys. And, I mean, this is going to be tough. Um, let's go with Kyle Larson just because it seems like the Kyles are always battling. And now you submit your pick. So this is pretty similar, if you remember, to a couple weeks ago to the NBC app. This is actually not really that fun. Um, but, again, something to kind of play around with when you're bored at work or at school or whenever you're supposed to be doing something more appropriate, this is the app to pull out because it's free to play. I mean, that's the that's the kicker. If you end up winning, could you imagine winning $25,000 just on something that was kind of a throwaway? just daydreaming type of stuff. So that's the reason why you do that stuff. I will uh, never really scoff at it. And it looks like at this point, we have uh, only 4,000 people that have put into it, which is a much lower number than we saw with the NBC stuff. So I don't know how much that app or that uh, number will skyrocket as we get closer to race day. But I filled out the NBC one on a Wednesday and there was like, 10,000 people. So uh, less people that you're kind of battling with, I guess, if there is free money to win. So that's the app. And if uh, we hit any money there, you'll be sure I'll let you know. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll be taking an even longer vacation if we hit that 25 grand. So that will do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you for listening. This is our last race for a little while here, so we got to get these bets in now. Let's cash in on Sunday so we can go into these off weekends with some loaded wallets coming back, ready for the road courses two in a row when we come back. Give us a follow on Instagram at Full Tank Phil. Keep your eyes peeled for some Infinity Series picks this weekend on Saturday. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time when we're back from the break. Have no place to go.